This is Blue Moon. It's the original fan-made Manchester City podcast. Coming up, we've got news and views from Cities Week. It's your club and this is your show. Well, it's never dull. Manchester Derby disappointment blown away by a second-half comeback in impressive style against Tottenham, wielding into the ins and outs of that game on this week's Blue Moon podcast. Later in the show, we'll look back over some of the very worst decisions that City have been on the receiving end of as well after that offside that wasn't at Old Trafford. Plus, we'll hear the ESPN's VAR expert, Dale Johnson, who can explain why the video assistant couldn't get involved. Wolves is on the horizon as they visit the Etihad on Sunday, so we'll look ahead to that with Matt Cooper from Talking Wolves as well. I'm David Mooney. I'm at the Etihad had after City's match with Spurs, which means my guests will rotate throughout the show. For the first part, I'm joined by the athletic Sam Lee. Hi, Sam. Yeah, I'll get quite dizzy if I'm rotating, but <laughs> little dad yeah. joke for you there. Yeah, it seems I'm, like that kind of night. It is that kind of night. I mean, first off, unpick that. Well, I mean, I was doing some stuff for Radio Manchester, so fortunately I've had a bit of time to kind of collect my thoughts. I was thinking at half-time, the City weren't great, but they weren't bad. No, I thought it, they were all right, yeah. It was... It was never obviously it was never a two 0 half time scoreline kind of game, but it was just that thing of City were just kind of getting back into a bit of stride and momentum at Old Trafford, and obviously that all disappeared up in smoke. And then you know what Pep said, forget about that, focus on Spurs, and they've done that. And then if you you come into that Spurs game, play all right, and go two 0 down, and go two 0 down for that, you think when are they ever going to get started again? Obviously there would have been plenty of time, but you wouldn't like to be coming into training tomorrow morning for that kind of thing. And then that was like the worst possible scenario. Like, and if you lose, it can't be like that. But this is the best possible scenario. Like, yeah. To come back like that is going to do wonders for them. And what, when I'm talking about doing something for Radio Manchester, it's because this is all on record, what I've already said. So this isn't just <laughs> me saying nice things because they won. But at half-time, I was thinking, because obviously we've been concerned about the mentality. And we've, we talk, everyone's talked about that Gundogan quote and what it means and how deep it runs and all yeah, that kind of yeah. stuff. And obviously Guardiola at the weekend said, look, there was no concern about that at United, but it's harder to see when you lose and all that kind of stuff. But I was thinking in the first half, they look, you know, they wouldn't be playing like this in terms of the commitment and the running and the effort if there was a concern about the mentality. And no, I was no, thinking no, yeah, that yeah, even, yeah. even, you know, in the first half when it was 0-0, 2-0 didn't really change that. And then obviously it speaks for itself, doesn't it? But a 4-2 to come back and win it like that. And obviously, because the other thing is, at 3-2, obviously the crowd are up and the, the blood's pumping. He could be thinking we need to go for this. Clearly, as soon as you know, as soon as they went three two up, it was just short passes between them. Yeah, they had to did, slow it down. Well, did you not get the sense there was a, there was about a five ten minute spell where it became a little bit end to end? Well, was that Rico Lewis block that went off the outside of the post? That was a two all. Was two it? all? Yeah, I think. I mean, again, it's not. It wasn't that City were terrible in the first half and brilliant in the second. It was, they were better in the second half than the first, but they weren't bad in the first. But there were still a few ropey moments. That was obviously the most major one. There's a few times, I always hate it when you see fullbacks getting dragged over out wide to fill in for a fullback because you know another centre back's coming across. It was basically like a Champions League final goal for Chelsea. You know, when everyone, Walker goes early, everyone, the other shifts. Right, yeah, everyone shifts over. And here's the worst thing because you go, Kane's in the middle now. And then if it misses Kane, you know, Son's behind it. It's a nightmare situation. And that happened a couple of times. But I've not written it yet. But I want to, I'm going to write about bravery from this game because I mean, Pep's lineup. Well, I was going to come to this because, like, it's I a mean, brave he doesn't care. But it's a brave lineup. Yeah, I mean, the first thing is that the headlines are no Foden, no De Bruyne, yeah. and that's that's obviously Arguably what's all the best players on the bench. Yeah, <laughs> and that, that's eye catching. And then, the, the, like you say, you, you put that lineup out. The first half performance was all right, not bad. And then you go in two 0 down. Yeah. It's very very easy to start going well. Should have played De Bruyne. Well, should have played thing, Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, it's not it's not really brave on his part because he doesn't care. 
He doesn't care. But he'd have been murdered for that. You know, if they'd have lost, regardless of a bit of bad luck second half and however the second half had panned out, he'd have been murdered for, the, for that lineup. But it's just another thing he said after the game at United at the weekend. He said about United's threat. And he, he goes, the way to defend that is just to sit back. And after that, they can't run. There's nowhere to run. So where's your counter-attacking threat? He goes, but that's not what we do. We want to do it our way. You know, 40 metres behind, playing on the ball. But that's what they were doing at, at, when they were 2-1 down, at 2-all, at 3-2. 4-2 well not so much 4-2 actually they brought on Diaz yeah, fine. quite late yeah. but fine but all the way through defending so high up with that threat often 3-on-3 three three, that is again you could say it's stupid Incred- it's incredibly brave and then you talk about the individuals Rico Lewis you tweeted about it during the game incredible I mean he got one pass in the first half it wasn't a great pass and also he turned around and City weren't set he didn't have you know Rodri 15 yards inside he didn't have his usual options but he took it looked around, weighed up the situation, held onto it for a bit to attract men and then gave it to whoever he gave it to. He's thinking, he knows what, what he's doing this what, what spurned my tweet was the moment when he looked behind him and he had no, he had nothing but Edison yeah. behind him and uh, Son bearing down on him and he went, yeah, all right, I'll just sidestep round him. Yeah. And it's like, you're 18. Right? Exactly, this is, these are the kind of examples I'm talking about. There was one where Akanji went, the ball was kind of cleared and he went to head it back to Edison and it didn't go far enough and Stones was running back to kind of sweep it up and he had Kane. He could have easily gave it back to Edison. And he kind of shimmied and wriggled out of him and came the other way. And I mean, he gave it back to Akanji and he booted it and it was a bit dodgy for a minute. But again, Stone's there. And the biggest example of it, and Rodri now, which means we can talk about Rodri from the weekend, because Rodri was amazing at United. He probably, well, he was City's best player. His bravery, like there was, I can't remember exactly what happened in the second half. I think it was 76th minute. That was it. It was bobbling around a bit. And you know that if you don't get it under control, they're just going to play, play the ball in behind for Kulisevsky or Kane or Son and you're Someone, in real trouble. Yeah. And it came to him. I think, I think Grealish given it to him, and he just held on to it and held on to it and held on to it. That attracted three men, and I think he just gave it out to Mahrez. And, it was, and with that, it was dangerous situation is now fully in City's control, and obviously it's not in Spurs' control on the counter attack. And just that the amount of just bravery on the ball, bravery in what they've set out to do, in the circumstances of how they wanted to do it, like you can't fault it. And look, I don't know what's going to happen against Wolves. I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but may, I mean maybe it's a statement that I'm getting carried away after the win, but. To worry, I wouldn't be worrying about that Gundogan quote anymore. I wouldn't. Yeah. I don't. I mean, yeah, look. I, I know it, what you mean. It would be because I asked Pep after the derby. I was like, look, you've had. It, it's been up and down in recent weeks in terms of. He said they were alive against Chelsea. You think, okay, they're back at it now, and then they go to Southampton, they were shocking, and then they're back at it at United, back at it tonight. Is there another shock around the corner, or are they back at it? But you just think they can't be lacking commitment to yeah. play like that. They just can't be. Yeah, I mean, the, the other side of it, we, we, me and you have talked a lot about control and controlling yeah. games. I'm saying it on the radio and I was like, people are going to recoil at that word, aren't they? Yeah. But how, That's my like, legacy. How, con- how controlled was that? Because in many ways, the performance no, was... No, it wasn't, was it really? It wasn't, but in many ways, it was... Like, people have been calling for the chaos to come back yeah, and, yeah, and that yeah. sort of... And, and I kind of wondered if that's what you get. Well, I mean... If that's how this team no, is chaotic. I'm, I'm, yeah, well... Well, the thing is... You couldn't really blame the fact... If it was chaotic, you couldn't blame the fact they went 2-0 down on that. It was just poor mistakes. Um, and then I could see as well, if it, once it went to 3-2, the people who really hate this kind of slower game. And City started playing it around. Obviously, if Spurs had then equalised on the counter-attack, which is one of the things they were trying to avoid, they'd be like, well, this is what you get when you slow it down. We should have done, yeah, yeah, yeah. done this and we'd be, you know... We scored three yeah, goals we had, playing we like we this. Had Spurs on the ropes, yeah, yeah. But, it, I mean, there's nothing... I don't think there's anything more I can say other than... Look, they didn't even lose control through their own kind of 
yep. transitions or whatever. It was just a mistake, wasn't it? That one. Edison made a mistake. And then, and then, then I suppose the other thing is Rodri could get it out for conceding. A corner, I guess, I guess the other thing is conceding a second goal straight after. It's a bit like Pep said after Old Trafford, after talking about the the refereeing decision. He said, look, but the biggest thing, the biggest issue is if you concede, you can't concede two minutes later. But I looked at it, there was nothing majorly wrong. It just unfolded badly. But they didn't do anything stupid like Edison booting the ball down the pitch. I need to see again tonight what happened. But there was some poor situations. I, I to be think, in that situation, I, I think Rodri, Rodri that tackle in the box. Yeah. Never want to get him out. Just, just win to be stronger there. You know, it's a bit Yadar analysis there. But just be stronger <laughs> there. That's all, that's all you need to do. Like he's a, he's a strong player. He knows what to do. But... I guess, I guess sometimes in those situations, they've got one eye on winning the ball, the second eye on what they're doing next. A good example of that is Mahrez. Because yeah. when Rodri um, sprayed that pass out to him, was it Ben Davis at that point went in to win the tackle. Mahrez actually, he didn't just like win the tackle and then mind where the ball goes. It was kind of controlled it. In yeah. a all, they've always got one eye. It's not where they don't generally, if they've got a ball to clear on the edge of the box, they don't generally hoof it. They'll always try and... A good example of this is that Andros Townsend ridiculous volley for Palace a few years ago and I remember somebody on TV criticised City because I think it was Gundogan just did a little flick header away yeah, you can, and they you, were like I'll oh, just can, get rid of it yeah. but it's like they're, obviously, they're trying to play on a counter attack here yeah. they're trying to keep this ball they're not trying to lose it and get yeah. um, penned in it's how I concede everything on FIFA we're just trying to play it out yeah but, yeah, but, but maybe Rodri was thinking I'm just going to try and win this and flick it rather than I'm going to give them a corner which you could I could understand. I thought it was a bit soft. Again, this might be a bit Yadar, but last minute of the first half after you just conceded, exactly, settled exactly, for the corner. Just, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that was the thing. There was no real problem with what they did and how they did it at United, really. It was, what they did was the right kind of stuff, but it just went badly. But that, like I said, I need to see it again. I need to see the decisions that went into it. But how you ended up running towards your own goal? It's like, yeah, you're obviously thinking, well, we shouldn't be 1-0 down here, so we're going to go and put this right. But you're right, it's just cooler heads. And again... It's, Pep might even mention it. I don't know. Pep might mention it. You know, by the time people listen to this, we'll know. But it's that kind of thing, isn't it? Like you said at Old Trafford, he's always got the Champions League in his head. And if that happens again, then he's struggling. Yeah. But again, with all of that going through their minds at half time to come out and play like they did, second half. I mean, the first the first twenty minutes of the second half. I mean, the phrase again that I've written down is a brilliant solution to a problem that should probably have never existed in the first place. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's almost and again because we were talking about control a minute ago, and maybe we drifted away from that. But it's almost like you've got no choice there. Like you've got to play with that intensity because you've got no other option. Like if you don't do it, then you're going home and you're getting beat. So it's difficult to kind of manufacture that tension. Um, obviously in the first half you can play more direct because I think that's what they were doing it wasn't like massively long ball but they were more direct than, yeah, yeah. I mean there was there was one normal. moment I, I spotted it actually uh, Stones looked for, for Haaland over in the behind. top in behind yeah, yeah. and Guardiola gave him the most enthusiastic round of applause yes. that I've well, seen funnily enough, I thought that was I just thought that's the start of the season that Palace game that was the, well that was the one note I made in, in my phone apart from all the bravery examples that I've decided I was going to do late because I was thinking they're more direct here and what they did because that got cut out but Gundogan won the second ball and then he played the ball out wide to Grealish Grealish put the ball into the box fairly early that got headed away and Rodri won the second ball on the edge of the box and had a shot on it I think he went out for a corner and you think this is just this is, a, this, is, yeah, this is more direct second balls it's not how they like to do it but they've obviously seen something tonight for whatever reason maybe you know embracing the fact that Spurs are going to be open but the fact that they've got Haaland the fact that they've got Alvarez and you know maybe it does come down to a little bit of Pep thinking you know, we need we need a bit more of this. We've not had enough of this, so we're going to do it. Again, it comes back to the lineup. Um, I saw it before it came out, and I was like, "This is going to cause mayhem." And I was like, "I don't." I was like, "I don't really get it." But then, with the benefit of speaking about it on the radio, I was th- thinking about the press conferences I've sat in and and Pep saying, 
you know, yesterday they didn't have, they've not had enough runners through the middle recently. It's just been Haaland on his own, and when it's like that, you know, nothing's going to happen. And so all of a sudden you got Alvarez in there, you got um, Gundogan in there, off the ball, you got Grealish and Mares in terms of off the ball and their pressing. Part of the reason they play a lot is because they're just defensively. If they lose it, they go and win it back. You know, but you might not have them down as City's best pressers, or even necessarily, you know, Mares tracking all the way back maybe. But in terms of that intensity and winning it, they're really good. Pep loves them for that. Alvarez is pressing, nobody needs to talk about. So you've got that off the ball as well. And then on the ball, in terms of the build-up, and off it as well. So many men in the middle. With Lewis, you know Lewis is going to come inside, although he did actually go outside second half as well. You know he's going to come inside, and if he goes outside, Ake can stay in there. You've got the two centre-backs as well. You've got Rodri. Gundogan's obviously going to stay deep while the ball's deep, and then he'll progress. Then he'll forward, You've yeah. got so many options in the middle. It was like I was saying on, on our athletic podcast, I can't, I can't really rely on us having the same audience, but the Chelsea... Lineup at Stamford Bridge, which everyone kind of hated. Pep acknowledged was wrong and changed at half time. I said I liked the intention behind the idea. It. I, behind there was it, a lot yeah, of the there was lot to like. There was with, you know, they had Foden playing. They had Cancelo on the right, so maybe not. No, maybe not everyone wants Cancelo on the right wing, but they had width on that side. You still had Haaland. You got the four best midfielders all on the pitch at the same time. You've got loads of cover in terms of Walker and Ake at the back. You know, fa- obviously Walker's very quick. Ake's fairly quick there's a lot of stuff to like there it didn't quite work but tonight the more I thought about it in that an hour and 15 minutes before kickoff, I was like I kind of see Same sort what, of he's, thing. what he's yeah. after he's after those runners in the middle he's after that intensity off the ball he's got plenty of men to kind of in theory stop counter attacks through the middle um, and again I don't think it's brave on his part because he doesn't care what people say um, but if you look at that there's nine players on the bench again I said this on the radio but Put those nine players in a team and made them play against like eleven Premier League opponents over a season. Probably they, right. they wouldn't yeah. get. I mean, it would be very, very difficult. We saw how difficult it was when City played full right, with ten. ten. Yeah. Very difficult. But I don't think they get relegated. Like, there's a hell of a lot of quality in that team. Yeah. That was just on the bench. Again, the other thing about Pep picking the team that he did. All of those players on the bench. Okay, on paper they could do that, but at the moment none of them could really put their hands up and say I deserve to be playing yeah yeah. I mean a quick word on Mahrez because I mean I I was going to say what second half but the whole game he was fantastic yeah yeah yeah. Um, well um, again we just talked about the players who don't deserve to be playing Um, there's been obviously I think the main issue since the World Cup is just the amount of players who've been off form but he's been one of the better ones okay he didn't have a great game at United at the weekend but he's obviously been one of the better ones um I'm, t- I'm trying to I'm overanalyzing everything I was thinking he, people didn't really like how he played against Liverpool in the Carabao Cup he's got a great goal okay it wasn't great otherwise but he has been it's, it's funny because do you remember earlier in the season it was like this must be his last chance yeah, now because he and couldn't, then, he, couldn't and, he, just, he kept getting and he, then he was rubbish yeah. and then he still played and you think I mean and obviously we look back at it now and it's because you know, the control and slowing the game down he's the only person on that right wing other than Bernardo obviously I guess he could do that so obviously Pep stuck with him but now, like even before tonight, like why would you not play him anyway? Yeah. Like we said, we said this again on our podcast um, before the derby because there was loads of uncertainty after yeah. Southampton was there. But obviously, Mara is going to have to play, or even like, we don't know if he will or not because it's Pep. But you'd think he'd have to, yeah, yeah, fully on on merit. And then tonight, unbelievable! Like that could say that first touch was a tackle. Normally, that's a <laughs> that's normally a diss, but he had he had to tackle the guy and control it in the same action. And then 
I mean, yeah, I mean, you can maybe moan at Laurie at the near post, but that was fantastic. And then took a little nick the, as well. The one at the end, right foot, it? right foot from him as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, he had a shot that went just wide from the edge of the box on his right foot yeah. beforehand. Again, look, if that shot hadn't gone in, we'd probably be saying, "Why is he shooting on his right foot?" And all that, but <laughs> fickle that we are. Um, and then the one at the end, as he went through, because you knew the dink was on. Yeah. I just remember the Liverpool game last don't, season. Don't chip it over for the love well, of yeah, God! Don't chip it because, over. Because uh, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, even at four-two, I was like, I'm a bit concerned about Kane and Son and Kulusevski. <laughs> but yeah, three-two. When he went through, there was certainly enough time to think about it. And I thought, just don't do that again. But brilliantly taken. Um, and just even to make that run at that yeah, point that in the game. And Edison to, to spot it as well. Well, again, I tell you what, I've not even mentioned it. I've not even made a note of it, but I will do in the article. Talk about bravery again. He's dropped two big eggs in the first half there. Didn't put it for a wrong second half. In terms of the distribution, to keep going and picking out the men and the, plas- the passes he needs to make. Because if he starts suffering mentally and thinking, I can't, I should play that, but I'm not going to. The whole game plan's going to fall in like a yeah. house of cards. And he, he kept at it. And again, I mean, I'd have to try and find out what the dressing room was like. I was thinking at half time, actually. I'd love to see a documentary camera but what was they saying at half time yeah. because you, you'll have all the subs going come on guys come on because like, they didn't really deserve to be low and down but full time there'll be some there'll be some partying tonight how far away is the Wolves game because I'm trying to work out if they'll, Sunday, if they'll be out in yeah, town Sunday 2 Sunday uh, 2 o'clock it's quite probably, soon probably can't go out tonight I'm yeah. sure a few of them will manage it you see stats pop up all the time about clubs and players and you want to know that exact thing about City there's an answer statcity.co.uk Want to find out all of the players who played alongside club legends like David Silva, Sergio Aguero or Vincent Company? Or maybe you'd like to know which team found it hardest to score past Joe Hart. You can find out City's record in every competition, at every stadium and under every manager. Just go to statcity.co.uk and browse away. That's statcity.co.uk You can listen to the show ad-free by joining our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast. Another quick word, uh, I mean, we've mentioned him already, Rico Lewis, um, oh, yeah. but what, what a kid. performance. I mean, there was there was a moment in the second half where he absolutely bollocks, I think it was a Kanji, right. for not giving him the ball because he, right, was, he, 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 had, he had so much space on the right-hand side. Yeah, um, and he was just like, like, mate, you're an 18-year-old lad who was playing you, what, your fifth game? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, this, the kind of subtext of this is we need to talk about our Kanji on the board at some point. Yeah. It's not great. Um, but that is unbelievable. I didn't even spot yeah. that. And like I said, we'd already, I've already talked about all the stuff that really impressed me. And then when he went down with cramp, normally when you see players get cramp, you think, well, they're wasting time. Yeah. Or it's like, you know, I don't know why this example came to my head, but Champions League final win, it was um, Liverpool and AC Milan. Carragher got cramp, I think, in like, extra time. And I was like, yeah, fine, I'll get that. You know, I completely <laughs> you're, you're get allowed, it. But yeah. normally I'm like, all right, they're obviously just wasting time. But when he went down after like 81 minutes, I was like, this is a kick. Yeah. He's played a hell of a game. And also, I think the thing that impresses people around him and around City he's just getting lumped like when he played against Liverpool and when he played yeah. against Leeds he just yeah, gets kicked, kicked all, yeah. Yeah. and it's like I, I don't know if it was I think in those games it was kind of intentional it's like this is the kid you know you've got to, it's just the unwritten football yeah, yeah, and yeah, you've just got to do it tonight it didn't seem so intentional but he was still getting kicked about he got stood on by Hoiberg which was a mistake but he still got stood on it's going to work Hoiberg's a big old fella he wouldn't want to be going up against him again just thinking about my own <laughs> mental weakness as a footballer <laughs> I, said, yeah, I, don't, I don't want to get clattered by one of these lads yeah but you know, I was actually I don't know why I'm even saying this but when, again when we were at Leeds I was talking to a colleague because I'd done a bit of radio with Michael no, Brown nameless I like it yeah but I just went I just remembered how horrible Michael Brown was as a player like just 
And I just went, one of the million reasons I was never a professional footballer is I'd be in the tunnel, lining up against him, and go, I don't want to yeah, be anywhere I'm near not, him. Not I don't want to be anywhere near him. <laughs> and it's like, that's, the Spurs were a big team. A few units in there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it just adds extra layers to the praise that we're given. I mean, all of them, but... Rico Lewis, unbelievable. Incredible. Um, final question for the, the first part of the show, Sam. Um, Julian Alvarez playing off Erling Haaland. Yes, um, yes. I, I thought he was great. Yeah, yeah, he was. Um, and the only thing you could maybe say, you know, we said all those people on the bench didn't really deserve to play. It wasn't like Alvarez and Gundogan were like, they've been amazing, bring him in. Because, you know, Alvarez had a couple of games and all right against Chelsea, poor against Southampton like everyone else. Gundogan's last game was Southampton. But yeah, um, the interesting thing is, Earlier in the season, Pep was talking about playing those two together, Haaland and Alvarez, and he was kind of like, oh, I like it. I've seen it a few times now, and I like how they work. But then he was asked about it after the Everton game when he threw them on, and he was like, it's good to have those two men in the box, but you need to, you know, you need to, to build up better, and for that, for that process, you need different types of players. And he was kind, it kind of led me to believe, and then the conversations I had last week about what's going on tactically, he was like, it's not... It's not something he really sees as an option, just because Alvarez is another kind of destabilising player, like Haaland, who just wants to always go, go, go. But obviously what he's done tonight is he's just offset that. Because when I was speaking to um, a contact about, you know, Pep and his selections recently, he said in the Chelsea game and then the Southampton game as well, Foden in midfield, because even though he's one of these players that goes, 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 like De Bruyne, but he surrounded him with the slow, the players who with, yeah, slow the game the down. The players would hold it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's what, if you think about that balance tonight, there was still that. Because he had Haaland, then he had Alvarez. Everyone else was one of those slow the game down players. There wasn't even Cancelo. You know, Ake is not... I mean, know, there, there was a moment where Ake, Ake was clean through and you were like, <laughs> yeah. never seen this what before. Was that, what was that when he had to play in Haaland? <laughs> yeah. It was just like, you could see him thinking, how am I going to play this pass? And then it was the worst pass ever. Yeah. And then he went and got it back. But like, Rico Lewis coming inside, again, another player. Rodri, Gundogan, two, just pass, pass, pass. And obviously Grealish and Mahrez, which so much just said about them. But he's found a way to kind of go, OK, we can play these together. But, you know, don't expect it. Oh, well, maybe, you never say never. But don't expect it with De Bruyne as well yeah. and Foden as well. He found the right balance to do it there. And, you know, maybe that is the solution. Maybe, maybe that's why he had to drop Foden and De Bruyne then in this case. Oh, it would have been, I think. You know, the, knowing how he picks those teams, if you are going to have two players like that in such close proximity, like, causing chaos, then um, you do need to offset it with others. That's how he, that's how he sees it. But also, I suppose the other thing is, because... Alvarez is that type of player, but also he can play, obviously, can't yeah. he? Like, we've always said stylistically he's more suited to City than Haaland is in terms of how he can drop deep and link up the play and all that kind of stuff. So he has got that, and off the ball is pressing as well. But yeah, he is still one of those chaos players. And in a Pep team, there's only so much room for, for chaos. That. Yeah. But then, you know, you go 2 0 down and you get chaos anyway. Yeah, may as well, may as well have a bit of chaos too. Two uh, every week. Yeah. People will love it. <laughs> not sure, not sure about that. Uh, we'll get more reaction from uh, the Spurs game a bit later on in the show, but for now, uh, the equaliser in the Manchester derby was a bit of a signet of a decision, with pretty much every reasonable person that I've spoken to agreeing that Marcus Rashford should probably have been ruled offside because he was interfering with play. Whether incorrect or technically correct within the laws of the game, realistically, that that goal could stand was a bit of a nonsense. It got us thinking of the worst decisions that City have been on the receiving end of. Hi, it's Adam from statcity.co.uk and my most recent injustice in terms of City is the James Milner at Anfield, the one-man assault on Bernardo Foden. You can pick and choose which example you use. Hello, my name's Chris Higginbottom, regular contributor to the award-winning Blue Moon podcast. And when asked to pick the worst decision I can remember going against City, it was obviously not an easy choice selecting from a packed competitive field, but I've decided to go for the last 
derby match that I actually attended at the Death Star or Old Trafford, whatever. Hiya, it's Kieran Murray here. I want to talk about the decision that was made in the Manchester derby at Old Trafford in 2009. The city were three all in injury time, where there were four minutes added, only for the clock to run on till six minutes allowing United to score a fourth. We'll start with the Bernardo one. He literally just body checks Bernardo. Bernardo ends up upside down, landing on his neck. Dangerous play. Milner was already walking a tightrope on a yellow there for earlier fouls on Foden that could easily have been red. Taking an early lead, actually, through an exquisite Rossler chip over Peter Schmeichel, and you just had a feeling that we were going to upset the apple cart that day. And when it came, the penalty that I'm complaining about was so soft, so nonsensical that literally everybody in the ground thought that it had gone, well, they thought it had been rightly given our way. The fact that they won it in such a way where Martin Atkinson should have blown up and seeing Ferguson dancing, Mark Hughes remonstrating with the fourth official and waving at his watch while the fourth official ignored him, then a couple of minutes later shared a laugh and a joke uh, with the same official, just... Oh my God. It's Don Farrell from Sporting News. I think if we're thinking about City goals that are bad decisions or correct decisions in line with silly rules in the modern game, uh, you can't look much further than Fernando Llorente's uh, goal that settled the Champions League quarter-final against Tottenham. Liverpool go up the other end and score with Milner still on the pitch. It's those type of decisions that when they go against you, they can really affect the player's mentality because obviously there's a perceived injustice, whether it's right or wrong. In this case, it was right. And then the heads go, the game plan goes out the window and the referees effectively ruined the game. I watched it in a pub at home in Ireland. My sister and I were there, the only city supporters in the whole pub. This was a, a, a sucker punch that really, really, really hurt. Uh, I remember giving my phone to my sister at full time, just knowing that there was going to be a slew of phone calls and text messages. Uh, I turned my phone off, gave it, to, <laughs> gave it to my sister and just said, will you hold that on to that for me for a couple of hours while I calmed down a little bit. Even Roy Keane, who should have been sent off by this point, not surprising, it was nearly half time, started berating the ref for giving City a free kick. Not because he thought it was wrong, but because it would have been the right decision and that's just just what Roy Keane did. That was a goal that struck Llorente on the arm and went into the net. Uh, the season after, that this rule had already been written before that game to come in for the next season, those goals were illegal. Accidental handballs were punished with the free kick straight away. So um, City fell foul of that. Hi, I'm Richard Burns. Um, I think the decision that I think of when I think of terrible decisions against City. Um, a game at Millwall back in the Championship days. Hi, I'm Dan Burke, and for me, one of the biggest refereeing injustices in the entire history of football is Danny Tiato cruelly being denied the goal of his life when City played at Middlesbrough in the 2000-2001 season. And then, of course, in the home game against Tottenham, uh, good to have some good vibes about a game against Tottenham coming up. That same August, Gabriel Jesus thought he had a winning goal but the ball brushed Emirate Laporte's arm. And uh, yeah, City were the wrong side of that changed handball rule then. So um, yeah, uh, you have to wonder if Marcus Rashford will cause the offside rule to be changed and how that will continue to be something that's just hilarious or otherwise. Michael Frontsek was the alleged aggressor in the incident, who wouldn't hurt a fly, by the way. Uh, I mean, perhaps couldn't would be more accurate. But he went to get an explanation from the ref and... I've watched the footage back. He came away from that with the face of a man 
who just witnessed like a horrible accident. It was the game when we had no supporters there, so I was watching it on a, a beam back through a screen at Main Road. And I remember a really crucial point in the game, Millwall getting a penalty and the City players were protesting it and you could see that it had been given for handball. When the replays came on, it was against Danny Teato, who had really clearly chested the ball. It had gone absolutely nowhere near his hand. A City were struggling that season and were eventually relegated, of course, and they drew one all at Middlesbrough in February of that year. Uh, although they might have won if Teato's goal hadn't been disallowed. Basically, he picked the ball up well inside his own half and bore down on goal, um, dribbled past a couple of Middlesbrough players and fired across the goalkeeper into the far corner. It was absolutely fantastic goal, but it was ruled out because Darren Hooker was in an offside position in the middle. And it was just an incredibly baffling decision at a really important time in the game. Keegan, I think, was was punished after the game for saying something like, if a million referees watch that incident, then a million referees would say it wasn't a penalty. And um, somehow that still doesn't feel like a strong enough statement. The thing is, Huckabee didn't touch the ball, he didn't stop a defender getting to it. He was just in an offside position when the ball flew into the net, yet he was deemed to be interfering with play and Marcus Rashford wasn't. Make that make sense. The ref had somehow seen Frontex pulling Cantona, but I've watched the highlights back and even the commentator thought that the whistle had gone for Cantona fouling Frontex. City manager uh, Alan Ball said that it was a shocker. He said, it changed the game. We had the tie taken away from us by the bizarre decision. Uh, nobody in the crowd could believe it. There was bewilderment on every player's face. And even Lee Sharp, who ended up thinking he got the winner that day, said a couple of the lads said it was harsh in an important cup tie. And if it had happened to us, we'd have felt a little hard done by. Well, it happened to us and we did feel a bit hard done by. And some of us still do, let me tell you. Hi, this is Andy Morrison, and you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. If you enjoy the show, please give it a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts. So that was some of the worst decisions that City have suffered in recent years. Uh, we've changed guests now. I'm joined by Mike Mane from BBC Radio Manchester. Hi, Mike. Hi, Dave. Um, we've just witnessed City, um, well, I was going to say take Spurs apart, um, but they didn't really, but they did as well. At the time. It's a, it was a weird game. Um, but yeah, uh, we've, just, we've just heard there some City fans remembering some bad decisions, uh, all pegged to that Marcus Rashford goal. Uh, you were commentating on that game. Like what was going through your mind? Because you've got to be professional on air, but equally, it's like, like it's just mad. Well, fortunately, the way we work on match days at Radio Manchester in the derbies, we do half a half each between me and the United commentator. So actually, conveniently, I got the Greenwich goal <laughs> in the good moment, and, and Bill got the uh, the Rashford goal. But I remember sitting next to Nigel Glego on the former City midfielder, and the second that it was clear VAR wasn't going to overturn that, he lost it, like <laughs> almost into a sulk. He was. You could just see the rage, and that's a former player knowing the decision that's been made. A massive injustice has just happened, yeah. Exactly what he thought. And I think it's difficult. By the letter of the law, yes, he probably wasn't offside. But it's the grey matter of what is and what isn't interfering. And I think I've probably spoke to a handful of former players in the last five, six days with you know with the same touch on, on, the, on the offside decision or not offside decision. And the same answer comes back, it was offside so I think from there you know I spoke to Nader Manua and he said um, 
stick a player in the VAR room, won't make a difference. You need a former player in with IFAB and get them to hammer home the point of what it's all about and look at decisions like this and clear up that matter. Uh, and that might force the rule change because the former players have been in that situation. Um, but the sense of injustice was evident in Nigel Gleghorn. I sat there watching it. I couldn't believe it myself that it hadn't been given. I think I spoke to Bruno Fernandes after the game. He even admitted that they were slightly fortunate with the decision. And I think if, if the player is saying that on the winning team that's benefited from that decision, probably you know shows you yeah. yeah, you probably yeah. shows you just how grey the area is. Yeah, well, uh, on the VAR, there's been a lot of discussion about why Rashford, uh, why Rashford wasn't interfering according to the VAR. Uh, to clear it all up, I've spoken to Dale Johnson from ESPN. Uh, he's there. Uh, we call him the Varzar because uh, he knows everything about that. Um, here's him explaining to me why the VAR didn't advise an overturn. Yeah, so in terms of the match itself, it's your usual process in, as we're seeing in VAR league in terms of a player runs through and goal. Uh, he's in an offside position and the assistant, Darren Cam, he doesn't raise his flag until the end of the attacking phase, whether that results in a goal or results in a corner or results in the end of um, the play breaking down, for instance. And so as soon as the, the goal is scored by Fernandes, um, he raises his flag to the offside decision. And when you get to that point, he's basically telling the referee that he feels there's an offside. But because this is a subjective decision, that is it's still in the in the referee's control as the man who runs the match um, to make his own decision on 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 that outcome. And he's decided that from the view he had um, in a direct line to play, um, that there's been no uh, interference with an opponent uh, by Marcus Rashford, and so he has decided that um, the goal should stand now. Once that has happened, the VAR, in this case Michael Oliver, the only thing where he can intervene is if there has been a clear error in, in law. Now, we may not, we may think personally or collectively that um, this shouldn't be a goal, but Michael Oliver can only look at it in, in the realms of the law. And, and if he can't find a, a really clear reason why it should be disallowed, then he has to go with the decision of the on-field officials, which was um, to give the goal. Yeah, now it's it's interesting the, the kind of the wording of that because um, I, I mean the the way you say there that uh, if he can't find a, a reason that Rashford is is interfering, uh, what you mean by that is not does Michael Oliver think that Rashford is interfering because he might well think that he is interfering, but he but because Stuart Atwell's seen everything and made a judgment call based on on what he's on on, on basically what the monitor is also showing that that Stuart Atwell isn't going to change his mind. Yeah, and that's the same with any decision, whether it be a foul for a penalty, for a handball. At the end of the day, it's the it's the decision of the referee on the pitch at the time, which carries most of the weight. And there will often be times when a, a referee in the VAR room will think to himself, well, I think that might be a penalty, but actually I can see why the referee has given it. And when you've got that situation, then the decision is going to stay on the field. There's got to be a really clear reason why the referee's got it wrong. And certainly when it comes to subjective offside decisions, there are very few times that the, the VAR gets involved in other rules. And we saw this at the World Cup as well. There was a goal uh, in a Netherlands game, I think it was against Ecuador, where um, it was disallowed on the field for offside. And really there wasn't an offside offence in there, but the VAR couldn't say subjectively they were wrong. So the goal stayed disallowed. Yeah, the uh, just on, in terms of uh, of the laws that uh, that that kind of govern offside. Uh, what what's what is it that that Marcus Rashford might have broken that Stuart Atwell has decided that he hasn't? Yeah, so one thing you need to be clear is um, it, it's, it's semantics really. But Marcus Rashford can't be interfering with play because interfering with play 
uh, that applies exclusively to touching the ball. And if you touch the ball, it's an absolute offence. It's offside. So you can only be offside if you interfere with an opponent. Now, one of the clauses for that is being in a player's line of vision. Now, that actually applies to something like someone being in, sort of, of a goal, in front of a goalkeeper on a shot. So that doesn't really apply here. The other is challenging an opponent for the ball. That doesn't really apply here because Marcus Rashford is just running forward. Uh, and the other thing is uh, clearly attempting to play a ball. Now, whereas Marcus Rashford slows down and some people will feel he fainted to shoot, etc., he doesn't actually do anything that falls into attempting to play a ball. And another thing that's really important is for this decision is that Akanji, for instance, is never actually within playing distance of the ball. Now, playing distance of the ball is specifically defined as being able to touch the ball if you stretch your leg. So you can't be two yards behind a striker. You can't be just chasing a player. You've got to be in a position where you could physically play the ball. So in that front, that's another situation where the VAR's got a problem. So the only area that Michael Oliver really has is in terms of Michael uh, Marcus Rashford making that slowing down movement just before he gets to the ball and whether you feel that has a influence on Edison and his position on the pitch and whether he thinks he would have um, come out quicker or made a different decision to prevent the goal being scored. So that is the only area of law that Michael Oliver could say Stuart Atwell made the wrong call, but it is a very subjective area in in, in what you may decide is an offence. But I, I do agree, and I think that in terms of the spirit in the, of the game and in what uh, fans generally would expect, that um, the offside flag is a better outcome. Yeah, I, I mean, my acid test for all of this sort of stuff is, um, you know, if, if the other decision had been made, would it be a talking point? And uh, I, I guess we probably wouldn't be spending five, ten minutes on a podcast discussing it had the goal just been disallowed, you know what I mean? That's exactly what I said. Like, if this goal is disallowed, a few people might say, oh, well, mm, it's a bit close. But absolutely nobody would consider it It was a controversy for the goal not to stand. I mean, we see similar incidents where a, goal, where, where a striker may put his arms up or uh, run towards the ball and decide not to run towards the ball. So there are there are instances where we've seen this type of goal, but perhaps not quite as um, as obvious in, in, in this situation where Marcus Rashford did run directly towards the ball. So I think, I think Manchester City are extremely unlucky to concede the goal. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast. That was ESPN's Dale Johnson. Um, Mike, do you think the VAR should be able to in this situation? Because basically what they've done is they've, they've ruled that the referee's seen it all in its entirety. There's nothing else they can show that will change what the referee's seen. So in theory, he should come to the same decision. Yeah, so the way it was explained to me was linesman flags for offside, referees overruled him and said Rashford didn't touch the ball. By the letter of the law, that is not offside. VAR then has to prove that it, it's a clear and obvious error against the on-field decision. On-field decision is goal. Can they prove it's clear and obvious? No. I like, I want to like VAR. <laughs> I really do. And I just, it's at times like that. There are times when the referees come over to the monitor and think, why are you going over to the monitor? There are times they rightly call to the monitor. You think, what a good decision. I just don't get that Rashford offside and where VAR and what it tried 
to prove because at first we saw the flag we didn't see the referee overturn the decision and we thought oh the VAR's got to prove it was a goal yeah. and it turns out it wasn't it was proving it's got to prove it wasn't all very complicated and I think this doesn't help any of the VAR matter yeah. ultimately um, City lost the game and you can't I, to be honest with you I can't blame them for losing their heads in that moment because it is such a, a howler that's been dropped did it remind you of Madrid? Did it remind you of that? Like when, when the bad moments happen, you know, things fall apart. We saw it again tonight against Spurs. Mm-hmm. You know, they went 1 0 down. They should have got to the break at 1 0. And then suddenly it's 2 0 and they've got mountains to climb. Yeah, tonight a little bit different. I don't think they lost their heads tonight. I think it was a freak goal, really. Edison parries it. Could have gone anywhere. But you, Old Trafford changed on Saturday. A bit like the Burnabout changed. I was there that night in Madrid and I. I think knowing also Real Madrid's history last year, as soon as they got one, you feared what might happen again. Um, don't get that from United, though. You don't, but Old Trafford, Old Trafford did change. When that goal went in and VAR ruled it and the referee points back to the centre spot, the place changed. It was a very quiet Old Trafford till that point. Suddenly, off the scale. And City... Could have, yeah, it's difficult. And there's four minutes between the goal. You think it's not like Benzema in that, uh, sorry, not Benzema, Rodrigo in that case. There were two goals in two minutes and it flew at City. There was time in between to reset, readjust. So I'm not sure whether I compare it to Madrid in that sense, but the comparisons quickly came to me on, on Twitter that it, it was Madrid through people messaging. So there is. Is that a problem? Clearly, you're clearly, clearly what we're hearing from Pep Guardiola. In the last two weeks, what we heard from Ilkay Gundogan, there is an issue at the minute somewhere. What, I don't think anyone can actually put their finger on it. It's a bit abstract, isn't it? That's the yeah. problem, yeah. Because you, what you saw against Spurs in the second half was City. It was City that we've watched for six years under Pep Guardiola. Relentless, ruthless, quick, attacking, free-flowing, fluid football. It was beautiful. And you knew, really, when Alvarez got one and certainly when Haaland got the second, that City were going to win the game. A bit like Villa on the final day. If you want the comparisons, it's Villa on the final day. City go 2-0 down. They get one back, you think, all right, 2-2. Yeah. yeah, and then as soon as they got the second, you knew. There was only one team winning the game at that point. But something's not right. And I, I don't know what it is. Is it the Haaland factor? They are learning to play a different way and that actually upsets the whole team. Is Pep picking the right team? On paper, it was questioned again before Spurs. He didn't change anything at half-time. That same team won the game. So it's really difficult to say what's up at the minute. And this, bar what, who? Alvarez and Haaland, this team won the title last year. They yeah. know, and, and the season before, and they know what it's like to come from points down against Liverpool and recover it. So they have the mentality. I think it's really hard to question the mentality. We know that City, under pressure, can fold. Madrid, United, but... Under pressure, also, they don't as well. Maybe, uh, yeah, maybe it all means nothing. Yeah, maybe yeah. it's just nothing. There's a nice <laughs> equilibrium and everything's fine. I think it's really difficult. Um, but we know something's not right. I think, I think it's more to do with the build-up play, myself. I think it is that Haaland factor, but City are so much better with Haaland that you, it's, it's not a question to say take him out of the team. Again, it was there tonight with the equaliser. So, something's not right. I think Pep's a little bit extreme by saying we're far, far, far from being competitive. But they're learning. But it needs to click. And you know what? A win against Spurs, win against Wolves, and beat Arsenal in the FA Cup. 
I think City are back. Yeah, season's back on track, yeah. isn't it? Well, let's have a look ahead to that Wolves game now. It's Wolves next for City, so we're going to start by hearing from Matt Cooper from Talking Wolves. I've been speaking to him to find out more about their season so far, starting with their decent form following the World Cup break. Yeah, I think that's... But I'll say mostly, I think all down to the appointment of Julian Lopetegui, our new manager. And I think if the if the World Cup hadn't have come at the time it did at the end of the season, I think we we may already be cut adrift because we, before before the World Cup break, we were absolutely awful under Bruno Lage, who in hindsight probably should have gone at the end of last season. I think the end of last season saved him from from getting the sack. They spent spent over a hundred million in the summer. And you could just tell that something wasn't quite right. But thankfully, the club have, have, have acted, even though it took them quite a while to bring Lopetegui in. And I don't think that's for any fault of their own, more so because his, his father was quite ill and he didn't want to um, take the job. But they finally got the man. He's, uh, it's not the first time Wolves have tried to get him in. They tried to get him in um, bit just before Nuno's reign, but he took the, the Spain job instead, which, which is fair enough. So he's come in and he looks like he's instilled a bit of belief and confidence into our players, which I think has been the, the, the biggest problem for us because, you know, on paper, there's there's, there's quite a, there's quite a few good players in the team and I don't like the, the adage of too good to go down, but I think, I, think the, I think the squad is, but it's just about instilling that belief, but also fitness. The players weren't fit and Lopetegui even said that himself. So, it just it just astounds me still that players can't be fit. <laughs> a manager can't get players to be fit. Like what what are they doing? Yeah. Well, it's, uh, what's what's he doing? That's different because uh, I mean, obviously there's there's uh, there's been a slight change of style, has there? Yeah, that the, the has. Um, for one, for one, he's playing Mateusz Nunes in his in his actual position, which is in a, in a in a in a double pivot in midfield. But before um, Bruno Lage and and Steve Davis, who was the interim manager. Playing him as like a number ten, which it's just not his position. He's very good at getting the ball from deep and, and driving, and, and actually, he's actually looking like a forty million pound player now. But I don't know. I don't know what it is. I think that the, the, the fullbacks are a, are a lot closer to the centre backs because they need protection because they've been fairly shaky. Um, but we, we we've almost been quite fluid. In games, you may see us, and it may be different at the Etihad. We might go nine at the back, and I wouldn't blame him. <laughs> uh, but we, we, we've, it's we've been... worked for you before, yeah. Uh, I, know, I know, I know, I know. We got a bit, bit of stick about how we've approached games, but you know, in, in the past, it's especially on a couple of occasions, it's worked. It's worked quite well. Um, but I, again, that was under Nuno, where I, I felt at that particular time of, of his of his tenure, I thought we could we could beat anyone and I, and I think that showed but yeah we've been we've been really fluid in terms of in, in terms of formations. Uh we've we've played a four two three one, we played a four four two, which I still think's hard we, we look most dangerous in, but we've also played a five at the back, which ridiculous as it sounds, we look even worse defensively with a five. Um <laughs> uh, so yeah we have we have we have been really fluid and you know it's I don't think Lopetegui still knows his best team, which is fair enough because I, I certainly don't. So I'd imagine he doesn't. Yeah. Um, how? Just looking at uh, recent results as well. I mean, Boxing Day win at uh, win at Goodison. I saw the end of that game, and that was that that, that was a real good kind of uh, hard fought victory in the end. Um, obviously, recently beat West Ham as well. These, these are the sorts of games what, uh, that you'll have been looking at, thinking we need to win these games, and you have done so. So, like, what's the mood around the place at the moment? I think the mood is a little bit more optimistic. I don't think fans think that we're completely out of it. And, you know, they've spent money already in January. Simon Mateus Cunha, they've signed Pablo Sarabia, Mario Lamina. And I think they'll they'll go and get another centre-forward and a centre-half, probably Craig Dawson from West Ham. And 
people might think, well, would you want to go and get Craig Dawson? He's washed, but what we'd really need is his Premier League experience. And that's why they brought Lamina in as well. Um, and just a few leaders on the pitch because they, they lost they lost a lot of leaders last season in the likes of uh, Connor Cody obviously went to Everton, which I still don't um, I don't hate the decision to let him leave because we switched to a back four, which historically has not been great in. Remain safe, so us at Talking Wolves did an interview with a few months ago, if anyone's interested in that. He's, he, he, um, he told all about the club, which is very insightful and I couldn't believe half that he said. John Ruddy as well, big character. So they're looking now to bring in more players. But with that in mind, I think that fans are a little bit more optimistic, but... We're not we're not out of the we're not out of the woods yet, and it and it's so it's so tight at the bottom. We had a great result against West Ham on, on Saturday, and and as you mentioned, the Everton game, we've got to be beating teams in and around us. But you know, we we, we go to Man City on Sunday, who you know, probably I don't think you'll give us a good hiding, but I think you, obviously you'll beat us, and you know, it only takes a couple of results elsewhere to go against us, and we're back back in the bottom three. So it's so tight, but a lot more optimistic than we were about two or three weeks ago. I was going to say, sitting in 16th as it stands, um, but I mean, there's, there's two points between 14th and the bottom. So it, it's just like, it's. I've never seen it this tight for, for a long time. And I, I guess that must make you nervous in the end. Yeah, it does. It, it, it really does. Um, I, I I really struggled to watch the last 10 minutes of our games, um, just from, from a, a, a nerves point of view. Uh, the West Ham game on... Um, on, on, on Saturday, I don't don't normally leave early, but I, I left on ninety one minutes because I said to my brother, I said I, I I feel sick, I physically cannot watch this because I knew the magnitude of the game and obviously leading the game, we've we've been very poor in 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 recent times towards the last 15, 20 minutes of the game, which probably coincides with them not being fit, which they seem to um seem to have rectified. But yeah, it still it still makes me very nervous, but I think I, I think we'll have enough. If you look at some of the players we've got, the likes of Neves as well, who's for me, still one of the best midfielders in the league. He's, you know, you, you need players like that. And as, as long as a, a few of us start to turn a corner in terms of the form, the likes of Pedenza has got, I think, three in his last four, which we don't have many proven goal scorers. And, um, and everyone always says you need to go and get, you know, a 20 goal a season centre forward, but they don't exist. And if they do exist, they, they play for Man City. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. they just don't. You need, you, you almost have your, your wide players, your inside fours who chip in with seven or eight and you might get a centre forward who gets you 10 or 11. I don't think that the days of a 20 goal a season league striker exist unless you've got someone like Haaland who's a freaking agent or a team that creates a glut of chances, which, which Wolves don't. Yeah, I mean, just just looking at uh, kind of the wider picture for this game, um, because obviously, I like you say there about how how City have 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 a habit of putting teams to the sword sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like, if you do you look at City's recent form and go, actually, they're they're not in the best of, of of moments right now, and you know we've got we've got our tails up a little bit. There's there's there could be something to be had here. Yeah, and we discussed this on our podcast in the week. Like we're under no illusions that we're going to go to the Etihad and it's going to be a walk in the park. But quite often we've seen teams, and 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 we've done it as well, where we almost just sit back and have our bellies tickled by City because they're scared to attack. And then you look at the likes of Southampton most recently, who've you know have, have, have attacked you and had a go. And you know, there's there's both in the same league. There's going to be we are going to get chances. So I'd like us to go there and just and just have a go. Um, but like, like I said, like a, a wounded animal is 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 a, is, a, is a dangerous animal, and I think that I think you'll be absolutely fine against us on Sunday. <laughs> but I just I just want I just want us to you know look at that Southampton game as a blueprint. Yes, it might be you know an, an anomaly, but just just have a go because you never know what what might happen. 
Yeah. What do you think Lopetegui will do? You, you, you said kind of stick nine at the back before. Are you, are you expecting more the back five sort of setup? Uh, I, I hope not. We switched to uh, a back five for 20 minutes against Liverpool um, uh, last night and we, we looked even worse, even more shaky defensively. Not quite sure how that works. I, th- I think it's more so because we lose the extra man in midfield and it's just it just doesn't work. So I, I, expe- I expect us to go with the 4-2-3-1. The um, and just you know, change of a, f- a few responsibilities. The likes of Wang or or Pedence may need to come and, and and track back a lot more and help out those uh, help out those fullbacks. But what we have seen Lapategi do, and I think he's been cited to say um, say this in, in in previous roles. He doesn't look at substitutes as substitutes. He looks at them as game changers, and his substitutes have really affected games most re- recently. So we may start fifty minutes with. 55 minutes with players who, okay, might not have the most flair or the most attacking intent, but are, are real grafters. And then for the for the last half an hour, 35 minutes, it brings on the like of Traore, Cunha, Pedence, um, and 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 it and it's worked really well because they have changed the game. They give you a bit more dynamism, a bit more attacking impetus. So I'd imagine it's going to go like that if we can try and keep it tight but it's you know it's all ifs and buts isn't it against Sitter yeah you've read, you mentioned Pedence uh, he he seems to keep going on the score sheet recently is he your man in form in terms of goal getting yeah it frustrates the life out of me and I think I can speak <laughs> for most fans on that because I always say he does the simple things poorly and the, the the really hard things extremely easily it's just it's 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 frustrating but when it comes off I mean there was, a, there was an opportunity on, on Saturday against West Ham where the ball had got cut back to him on the edge of the area. And instead of having a shot, he dummied. And there was no one behind him. And I was I was, <laughs> I was so irate, thinking, why has he done that? And then 15 minutes later, a, a ball comes from on the edge of the area, like first time finish, he smashes it bottom corner. I'm like, it, it, it's so frustrating. But I think, yeah, he's probably, he's probably our danger man in terms of creating chances. He's always on for a pass as well. Um, so yeah, I think the goal threat would come from come from him. He's Cunha's looks a good player as well, but I think he needs someone to play off. Whether that's a Costa or a Diego Costa or Jimenez, he looks like he could be a, a real good piece of business. I'm not sure about the fee. Of course, George Mendes involved with that one, so make your own minds up about that. But yeah, I think Pedence, who, who looks quite a similar player to Sarabia, who just signed, but I don't expect Sarabia to, to feature much. Yeah, I was going to ask if he was available for this one. It's uh, he's, I'm sure he signed in time, but it's whether he's going to be fit and, and ready to go, I guess. Yeah, he, he, he's, um, he, he's registered in time. I think what we'll see is similar to what we saw with Lamina at the weekend, who, who when he came on, played really well, just just you know, sure that the midfield, you might, we might see him for 25 minutes, 20 minutes, depending on how the game's going. If you're still chasing the game, still in it, you might see him a little bit earlier, but yeah, I think, I think we'll see him in some capacity, but in, in how much I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Well, Matt, we've got the, uh, the charity bet coming up a bit later on in the show. Um, I like to not have to have any responsibility whatsoever. So I give my prediction over to the guests. Uh, what's your score prediction for the game? <laughs> oh, I always don't like backing against my club, but if it's a charity bet, then I feel like I'm going to have to. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go 3-0 Man City. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. But don't worry, it'll be over soon. That was Matt Cooper from Talking Wolves, now joined by the Mail's Jack Gorn. Hi, Jack. Hello. Uh, not too bad, not this too bad. It's a very lovely setting to do this 
little segment of the podcast, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was either here or outside the gents. So a very, very small corridor <laughs> of the Etihad Stadium. Indeed. Now, uh, we've just seen City play Spurs. Um, Wolves next. What does a performance like tonight do for the game against Wolves now? Uh, well, I would, I would probably go exactly the same, play with the same sort of zeal that they did tonight. Uh, but I, the piece I've written tonight was, is about how he doesn't really want to play like that. He wants to play with obviously wants to play with control and doesn't want them to give a, the ball away and was a bit chaotic at times. Concede on the counter attack, yeah, and he doesn't he doesn't like that, so he won't want them to play like that on Sunday. But I think that's the I genuinely think that's the best way of them to get out of the funk that they've got so many good attacking players that they just make it in, they make these games into a bit more of a basketball game and just trust themselves to outscore teams. Yeah, because they got the best they got best track in the world. Arguably the best midfielder in the world in De Bruyne when when he recaptures his form. Mares is on form right Mares now. Mares is playing really well. Grealish is playing really well. Uh, it's just sometimes you just go for it. Just stop worrying about the opposition and sort of counter counter attacks and things like that. I think he's just. Do you think like, he was worrying about Spurs tonight in that sense? Yeah, well, he always worries about Spurs and he always worries about Wolves as well on the counter attack. You remember Traore a few years ago when he. I, I cannot forget about that. Moment. Lubed himself up and <laughs> slipped through on the on the counter attack. Um, but he says he worries about every team and what they can do because every team plays exactly the same way, don't they? I mean, tonight Spurs played a little bit higher than I was expecting them to, which allowed um, Harland in behind a couple of times and then some others as well. Um, but yeah, I just want I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm being a bit basic about it, but I just like. You got some bloody brilliant players. Just let them play. Just let them play. Just go. Yeah. Yeah. We've had Yadar opinions earlier on. We've got basic bitch really? opinions now. Is this where? Is this I, what? I is this know. the move? I don't know whether actually mine is like get it wide and get it in. So that might be a bit Yadar <laughs> as well. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get a dollop of City Nostalgia every Monday. Sign up at patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast. You mentioned Wolves have regularly given City troubles um, earlier this season. I thought earlier this season was a bit of a weird game against Wolves. City came out 3-0 winners, but I, it, like, I didn't really see it as a 3-0 sort of game. Um, what are you expecting this weekend? Uh, well, I mean, speaking to the game at Molyneux, it, sort of in keeping with all the other victory, well, the majority of victories they've had this season, where I don't, I don't think they've played well all year, really. Um, and he's... He's obviously said all that tonight and gone off on one about a lack of passion and desire and maybe there's a bit of complacency having won four four or five league titles. What do I expect on Sunday? Absolutely no idea. <laughs> but, so hard but, to I mean, read. Yeah. yeah, but at the moment they're, they're, they're impossible to read because even that Chelsea... The Chelsea game of the week was, was quite interesting, the one that they won 4-0, where I didn't think as a team they actually played that well but I thought they played with the right idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas in times tonight, I thought they both play, they that they married that up. They played with the right idea, but also played quite well as well. But see, I actually thought they did pretty well in the first half. Yeah, I, a couple of people said that. I said at half time, I was like, I can't believe they're losing this game 2 0. It's like a. It's like a Champions League quarter final from five years ago, isn't it, basically? Um, 
yeah, I, but you just don't know what what you're gonna what you're gonna get. I mean, people were saying that they they sort of managed the game at United on Saturday quite well, and sort of didn't really agree with that either. They didn't think they did enough to City three years ago would have gone and got, and got a second goal and killed it off. So yeah. you just it's no idea. Boys, for a neutral, which I am, it makes it really interesting one of the games of the season tonight and like it's, yeah. it's, it's what you get I guess when City have the shackles off or maybe when they got the shackles off again with backs against the wall and they needed to pull something out and you get a game like that I yeah 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 I I think that was I think that was the idea tonight it was like nothing else is you know plan A is not working so let's go to plan B but maybe plan B should be plan A yeah um, final word for a look ahead to Wolves Foden and De Bruyne did they come back in I would always have Phil Foden in the team, but I don't know how you get him in after the performances of the players that would play in a similar position tonight. You've got to play Mares, obviously. I think you've got to play Grealish. But Grealish played well. Too. Grealish was superb, and there was a really—I thought there was a really nice moment in the first half when he made that tackle, and the whole the ground, stadium got it. Yeah. The ground were like up, and which I thought was quite a, yeah, it was a good moment that, and he was very direct. De Bruyne. He's had a bit of a funk lately, and, yeah. I, and I wonder if just even just one game is enough. One game rest is enough to kind of slowly build him out of it. Yeah, I I would probably play probably play De Bruyne over Gundogan on Sunday, just because quite a quick turnaround and Gundogan struggles with his back, doesn't he, as we know. So very involved tonight as well. Uh, yeah, I thought but that was Gundogan's best game of the season tonight actually, I thought. Um so yeah, probably probably would play De Bruyne but I don't see how Foden gets in because then you probably play Alvarez again. Because um, Alvarez just like just busy, isn't he? Just sort of makes stuff happen and gets in the way of defenders and loiters in places that they've not expected him to. It's like that good that's like that amazing goal he scored in the World Cup. Like it's not a fantastic run. It's just pure perseverance and ball bobbling off knee and like him just right place, right time. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's sometimes that's what they need. Yeah. Well, uh, score prediction. We've got the charity back coming up. Um, what are you going to go for? <sighs> well, that's difficult because if they play like tonight, it could be anything. 5 uh, 0 Sunday. Excellent. I look forward to uh, to City's 5-0 win and your uh, your win on the charity bet. Um, you mentioned Guardiola. Uh, I'm now going to splice in his post-match press conference from the Spurs game uh, because it's a corker and you all need to hear this. So yeah. this is what he said. We have the, the problem that uh, we have four players in five years and Arsenal has two decades with our Premier League. It did something. Seb Gabriel and Alex Nchenko didn't win never Premier League. And every game, every ball, not every game, every ball, every action, every corner, every uh, do it is, is there. We miss it. We don't have it. Rico Lewis conceded four falls. Who defend him? I know it's not yellow card because 18 years old. And 18 years old, you know, it's not, you know, that the penalty is not given, you know, with 3 2. Oh, it's okay. But who defend Rico? No one. Nothing will react. And do you think I said something special? Change players in the half time or say that? I know it would happen, yeah, because no play Joao or don't play Kyle or don't play Jaime or don't play. Bernardo or Kevin or whatever with that decision. It's not about that. With them, it's the same. So, play bad? No, no. We always play good. We have the quality of how we do it. But it is something, it's not about that. It's about that we, we, we don't have it. Right now, right now, we don't have it. 
It came from the success we had in the past. We have to admit it, we had a lot of success. People say, no, it's not a success because we didn't win the Champions League. Bullshit. We won a lot. In this country, two bucks, two bucks. And the way we played, the consistency against this Liverpool. What a, what, a, what a success. That is normal. But we have to look ourselves. It's not enough. It's, yeah, it's okay. No, come on. I said to Erling, Erling, runners. You cannot drop because runners. One runner in the half, half time. One. Your quality is there. That's why you bought it. I want to help you. Your quality is go there. One. I won't move. I score 25 goals. I want to score 50. I will move for everyone and put it it's not about perform well or bad there's no complaining and we can do better we'll go better tell me Nathan Kulusevsky <laughs> what a player Salah in a Grado Cup the nine duels the ten duels when, uh, win uh, nine ah, it's not in highlights but with Nathan right now we cannot play good Rico Lewis yeah it is all oh, why don't play this one the other one Rico Play, look the game against against uh, Carabao Cup Chelsea, Carabao Cup against Liverpool. In Leeds, the team more aggressive in the Premier League. They don't give you two seconds to have free. They're in smaller spaces. Pa, 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 pa. Chelsea second half arrive after one minute he changed the game. Why? Because half. Wow, I want to live in this job in world. I want to have a better contract. I want to win Premier League. I never won and that. Julian, I will run. That, that is why to come back everyone, everyone, because we need everyone. And, and that we, we don't, today, not today, and play good, yes, but mm, we don't have it. And football is not about uh, just play good or bad or good skills. Something will have to be inside all of us. The players don't realize, they want it. They turn really good, they want it, but there is something that is here, in the clouds. Like, you cannot express in million details that no, no, have it. I see Arsenal games, and they do everything good. That's why they are in front, and they deserve it. I said yesterday, for 14 years, I won 11 leagues, Premier League uh, 11. So, it's a lot, huh? It means every day. And see things that uh, you cannot see because you are not there. And I see it. And you have to uh, something for in front. And it's not, uh, not one single player. Everyone is there. It's not about because I will see oh these eleven players did that did doesn't happen for me it will be easy I play all the time these eleven players but it's everyone as much we realize it we'll come back our fans have to push us have to demand more have to shout have to come on guys I know how good you are show us again I want a reaction for all the club all organization not just the players the staff and everyone well, happy flowers team <laughs> happy flowers organization ah it's good good. No, I don't want to be Happy Flower. I want to beat Arsenal. Away, you know? But if we play in that way, Arsenal will destroy us. Will beat us. Email the show through our website, bluemoonpodcast.com. So that was Pep Guardiola uh, speaking to the press after the game with Spurs. Um, I brought back Sam Lee from The Athletic. We're also joined by uh, Simon Bakowski from the Manchester Evening News. Uh, Simon, we'll come to you in a second, because uh, Sam, we were chatting about Guardiola, what he might say, and then, uh, then he said that. <laughs> yeah, well, 
I, I do stand by it, but I thought there was loads of good stuff they showed tonight that showed they were like really brave, and I was even like justifying it. I'd even started writing, like even if they conceded an equaliser or whatever, I thought there was loads of stuff there. Yeah, that yeah. you'd be really positive about. Get, you know, never use that Gundogan quote again. Don't worry about it. You know, so I start. I stand by that. I was actually tempted to say that there was no point because it was clear he didn't. I was actually tempted to say, did you not actually think there was loads of really good stuff they did tonight? But like ten minutes in the press conference. Like picking up on what everyone saw on Sky, just tearing everyone to pieces. <laughs> yeah, was, was it performative, Simon? Do you think is it is it um, is it uh, does he actually believe that, or is it a message to his players that like both. if you if you piss around much more this season, we ain't winning it? Yeah, it's both. I think most Pep Guardiola press conferences are performative, but at the same time, that what we've just seen feels like pretty pure Pep performative. Um, you know, I without being privy to the earlier conversation it feels like the press conference what he was saying it was like nothing to do with the performance or bits of the performance yeah 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 (laughs) he kept kept reiterating that they were good yeah yeah yeah. it's just something else something different and um, yeah it's completely unprecedented really for his seven years at City Um, clearly he wants change and that's why you've seen like the likes of Rico Lewis stick around the team uh, he praised Nathan Ake for doing the basic things right, basically, um, and for being hungry. And it, yeah, he said, you know, it's not about Cancelo or De Bruyne or Bernardo being on the bench because it would have been the same with them on the pitch. So it's clearly something that he feels is not right. Whoever plays, it's an abstract thing, isn't it? I mean, this is the thing. It's like he, he kept he kept mentioning the in the in, in the clouds. Well, one thing is, yeah, yeah there's just something in the clouds, and that was around the time he was saying, look. You don't see these details, but I see them. And he said, "There's a million details." And when he sees the Arsenal game, they do everything right. And it's interesting because he mentioned complaining on the TV, didn't he? Yeah. And Jack asked him, "Well, what did you mean?" And then he kind of didn't get it. And then he said, well, "What did you mean?" And then he didn't really address it again. Yeah. But it's obviously, he's, I don't know, because you think you see that hunger and the anger or whatever. You know when, you know when like when the Etihad's angry and the yeah. players are as well. Yeah, and you think, yeah. okay, something's brewing. This is quite yeah, special, yeah. and it's sort of harnessed. That's another way I could have written the article, really, because that was what it was. Like the fans were pissed off, and you know that it, the players were pissed off. But he was talking about complaining. But what I kind of read into that was because you know he's always saying, you know, if you just run these two yards, and if you, then it makes all the difference. And if you don't, then everything falls apart. It was kind of, I think he was kind of saying. If all of a sudden now they say, oh, "Do I have to do this? Do I have to do that?" and it's just there's obviously something in training. It's just the level the of hunger right there. Yeah, but then yeah. again, I still don't understand how you can go from that to do this tonight. But you said they were lucky. It's like you can't yeah. look that. I mean, they were lucky in the sense that maybe there was you know the, the Rico Lewis block that went onto the post and yeah. that kind of. But you can't. As obviously, he, you can. As he said, they've still got loads of quality players, haven't they? Yeah. But uh, I mean, but the, but the attitude was there. To come yeah, back. yeah. But also. It, very interestingly, like he said, it's not the team. He said the whole organisation, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Happy Flowers organisation. Yeah. So I don't want Happy Flowers. I don't want to be a Happy Flower. I want to win the Premier League. You're but, like, who else? Who else is not giving him what he wants? <laughs> Monday to Friday, the chefs yeah. like laying off on his eggs, or I don't know. Um, it was, yeah, really. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's that you know, it's that Money League thing today, and they got the most income. Maybe he's overheard a meeting or so, some kind of meeting where City are like, some oh, kind of celebration. the numbers around or whatever, and he's just like, oh, fuck all of this. Yeah, everything just needs to. We need to focus. We need to stop patting ourselves on the back because it doesn't matter how many how much money we're bringing in. Comes down to training session. These players aren't trying. They're not. Well, well, well that's what I was just say not pulling the weight. But yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. if that's true or not. I'm, I'm well, not for I mean, yeah. he's not left much to the imagination of it. Yeah. No, but I mean, they have been wildly inconsistent. That's, yeah, what, like that's one thing we did today at the start. I was like, you never actually know. Maybe maybe they go and 
put, put something else that's different against Wolves and they lose and we're talking yeah. about inconsistency yeah, again. Yeah, and you know, he Guardiola has a, a habit of sort of making himself always right and always soothsayer, but you know, he said he had he could see the Southampton game coming at the start of the season. So yeah, it took us six months to yeah, come. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, so maybe he thinks there's something around the corner that we that we're we not, don't we're know. not expecting. Yeah, and that's that's but, kind of there's wolves on the horizon. Well, he must do. He must yeah. do. That's yeah. why he's done this. But because as well, because I'd been in the mix zone tonight and then came in and saw Guardiola's coated off the fans as well, and yeah. I kind of assumed he'd had a go at him for booing. But I mean, I wanted to ask in the press conference, but yeah. I didn't get time. But from the sounds of it, like he preferred the booing to the silence. He don't want him yeah. to just sit there and be like. Yeah, entertainers. Yeah, like a Real Madrid kind of. Yeah, thing. yeah. Like he'd obviously you don't want to be booed, but he wants noise. He wants something Energy, yeah. from from the fans, just like he does from the players. Yeah. I thought about asking him as well, but I was like, if the audio of this comes out, and the one thing I've asked about <laughs> is, can you can you slag the fans off? Yeah. But also, I wanted to understand. Like I asked him, like why now? Like, why are you, why are yeah, you telling us yeah, this? Yeah. But it's probably because he probably thinks, oh, fuck me, fuck me. but he, he could easily think. Okay, we've just won that. All the back pages, all of our articles are going to be God City are great. The players are going to believe that. Yeah. They're going to have the same problems as before. And then Wolves comes along. Yeah, yeah. Now, it's not just we're talking about it. And this will be the first thing on Sky Sports News tomorrow, which I think he always sees when he's walking through City. Everyone's going to be talking about this. When he's talking about City's game at the weekend, everyone's going to be like, are the players up to it? There's nowhere to hide now. We've, he's kind of taken that approach with like, Phillips, hasn't he? Yeah. With Mares after the Chelsea game, he was like, you know, he's great now, but. Yeah, earlier in the season, he's got different. Into the line, wasn't he? Yeah, 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 and it's just he's he's taken that line with a few players, but obviously now it's just got like the lot of them. And <laughs> but we'll, this is the thing that Gundogan quote had the potential to like be used all season, yeah. or you know even if they got over it tonight, you'd go back to it. I'm thinking I'm writing at the end of the season. This is a part of it, but you don't really get the you know we've got some details of behind the scenes what's going on. Hopefully we can use later on. Blah blah blah, but. It's kind of intangible, but then it, it could go away. But perhaps like, this is now the whole season now. Yeah. This isn't just, oh, Gil, Ilkay Gundogan said that in January. Which <laughs> may, this is just the biggest mm. thing, and not just this season, but obviously, look, what they've done mm. can't be kind of overshadowed or topped or diminished or whatever. But this is like a kind of, not a watershed moment, it's just such a massive moment in his time at City, isn't it? He's just like, right, kind of yeah. stripping it all down and starting yeah. again and he was I as mean, much as you can because part of it Simon as well was like he, he wasn't down on the performance he wasn't down on, on kind of how they no, played no no and you know and also he, he made a point as well of pointing out how good they have been and how amazing the team have been and saying they haven't got as much credit as they should have done for the for the wins they've had um, but he, he just wants to hammer home that he wants more and you know he, he picked on Haaland which he almost I can't remember him criticising Harlem before, but he basically said he didn't make the runs I want. I told him to make. I told him to make those runs, and he didn't make them. It's like if you if you're going after Harlem, like yeah, you think Harlem will come in with that enthusiasm? Like right, come on, let's yeah. win the Premier League. Also, Harlem must not know whether he's coming or going because he's obviously no. spent six months <laughs> being told to drop deep and then could play. Yeah, and now it's running behind. Getting I mean, look, obviously there was a, we, we, one of the things that was maybe accurate that we talked about earlier on was the the balls in behind. Funnily enough, we both picked up that one where opportunity where they did it, but that was obviously the one that you mentioned. But, but I mean, yeah. the other thing in play here is Guardiola loves control on the pitch. He loves it off it, and this is normally the time of the season, November to March, between the international breaks, where City put together these winning runs. They've not had had that this year because of the World Cup. It's been completely out of Pep's hands. And I mean, he flat out denied it in a press conference the other day. But it, 
it's kind of since the World Cup, the performances it's haven't happened, been haven't been there. Whether yeah. it's whether he's blaming the World Cup itself yeah. or whatever, it's just or obvious. The play, just the players coming back from it. You wouldn't even you wouldn't even need to follow his quotes or what we write or yeah. talk about whatever. Just look at the performances and yeah. loads of them are off it. You can't deny that. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of like his his most perfect time of the year is now the the worst, and he's trying to. Do something to get something yeah, out that of it. Yeah. That's why I asked. I was like, Look, and he said, I want a reaction. Yeah. Because I mean, it was obvious, wasn't it? But it's like, give him the opportunity to say, yeah. like, give him the opportunity to say, this is why I'm doing this. Yeah, yeah. Because it was just like, just mad. You see stuff coming through on like our work channels and Twitter and stuff. You're like, hold on, what's he saying? Yeah, and yeah. And then he just comes in. But like, also rare that, you know, you see TV quotes before the press conference. Oh, they'll be the best bits. We've got the best seats, you know. We've yeah. both been in many, many press co- we've all been in many, many press conferences of Pep for the last seven years and that, that has to be up there, doesn't it? Yeah, well that's what I can't remember how I worded it, but I was just like, What? Because I'm always thinking how am I gonna word these questions and I was like, Why are you telling us this? Like, I, was, like, I was considering saying this is obviously great for us, yeah, this is amazing. Yeah. But like why has it come to this? And obviously that was what I was getting at, but what, why are you doing yeah. all this now? But it, it is obvious, isn't it? Like yeah. everyone's gonna be talking about this for the Wolves game, for every game. Yeah. From every game from now on, if they don't win it, people will say, oh, they didn't yeah. have the mentality. And then in the summer, because one of the first things he said was, I have to ch- change the team or move the team. Yeah. And what, when he says move the team, he means make loads of transfers. And it, it perfect. Get load, well, not bring loads in, get loads out. It's perfect for him because it plays into like everyone's perception of him anyway. So everyone who sees him as like unhinged, building. <laughs> everyone who sees him as this master, charismatic guy, again, sees that. You know, this could be the master stroke that saves his season. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned the Wolves game coming up, Sam. Uh, I've let you fight amongst yourselves for the final prediction slot for that one. Uh, Simon's won. What are you going for? I'm going for 2 0. Who 2? <laughs> uh, Manchester City. 2 0 City win. We'll check the odds for that and the other charity bet predictions uh, and we'll stick the, t- the odds on Twitter. Uh, but for now, that's the end of this week's Blue Moon podcast. Thank you very much for listening and thanks to all of my guests for today's show and to my guests for the final part, Simon Bakowski. Thank you. And Sam Lee. What a wild ride. It was, <laughs> wasn't it? Yes. Uh, we'll be back next week, so we'll see you then. That was the Blue Moon Podcast. Please give the show a rating and a review where you can. And don't forget, you can listen without the ads by signing up to our Patreon. You'll also get an extra episode each Monday. Here's a clip of this week's. Speaking of things that you don't remember happening or that you didn't know had happened about that game, I was not at that game. I was watching at home. And when we got that corner, I jumped forward to the edge of my seat and stood on the TV remote and turned it off. (laughs) 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 When I turned the TV on, they were celebrating. So obviously I still sort of had the excitement of the last minute equaliser, but without actually seeing it, which does sort of kill the vibe a little bit. (laughs) That's really tickled me, that. (laughs) Yeah, but like, so I definitely watching it with my mum, and I can remember her... Um, her being like, put it back on, put it back on, what are you doing? <laughs> and then like, I'm like, I'm trying. But then you're in that sort of panic of like pressing all the wrong buttons because, you know, you're desperately but, scrambling. But you also, and, you press you press the on button as well and the TV, it does that thing where it thinks about turning exactly, on. And then you exactly. press it again and it turns it off again. And you're like, no, exactly. no, no, I wanted to turn it on. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, um, turn it back on and they were already celebrating. So a great sort of lost 
um, lost moment of <laughs> not seeing that one. I'll tell you what's really nice though, it's great to hear that back and hear the excitement of the time. It was properly exciting at the time. You can listen to more of that at patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast and join us again next time for another episode. <laughs>